Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and you are about to get a sneak preview at what goes on behind the scenes with authors. You'll find out their secret recipe for creating books. They'll tell you where they get their ideas, and you get the inside scoop on their next project. Want to know more? Okay, we'll tell you where to find them on social media. Are you ready? Okay, let's meet the author. I'm about to introduce you to someone who is really extraordinary. I, I can't, I'm excited about talking to this gentleman today. His name is Robert Rogers, and he's here to talk about his latest novel, The Christian Detective, A La Jolla Mystery. Now, Robert's a graduate of Mississippi State University. He has a degree in electrical engineering. He also graduated from the University of Southern California Law School with honors, and then he earned a Master's of Law from Tulane. His work experience runs the gamut from the Army Security Agency, where he gathered intelligence, to working in the aerospace industry, and finally opening his own law practice. Robert has been quoted as saying that he never met a creek or a river or a marshy swampland that he didn't want to explore. And those explorations have fed not only his imagination, but also his desire to write murder mysteries, suspense thrillers, mainstream dramas, adventure stories for young adults, as well as, believe it or not, children's books. Robert, you are a wonderful, creative soul, and it's such a pleasure to have you today on Books on Air. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you. You know... I'm always interested in how authors get started. Most of them have some kind of backstory. Either there was a relative that was a writer, or there was a teacher that recognized talent, or some seminal event happened in their life that they felt like they needed to write down and share with with the world. Is there a story behind what made you start writing, Robert? When I was in uh, high school, I uh, I was challenged to stay away from boredom. Uh, kids have things to study, but uh, those things aren't always enough to keep kids interested. So I read, I began reading books. And one series of books I read that were really interesting were the Mark Twain books, Adventure Stories for Young Kids. So I loved those stories, and they kept me interested. Then I graduated into other paperback books, which were probably akin to murder mysteries. I don't remember them all. So in high school, I said, gee, I think I want to be a writer when I I get bigger. (laughs) Well... I did. I got bigger and older, but I, I couldn't become a writer because when you start writing, you don't you don't have a clue as to whether or not you're going to have any money or not. And if you want to get married and have a family and support your family, which is, um, in my opinion, the first uh, obligation of a man, if you want to do that, you have to have to make a living. 
in order to make a living, you have to do some kind of work that somebody's willing to pay for. That's why I, I became an electrical engineer, because somebody said uh, science is going to be a very important uh, discipline in our society in the years to come. And uh, it has been. And so I, I got into that. Uh, so began to work in the space industry, designing uh, equipment to test to test uh, components that went into guided missiles. But I, as I began to work, I realized that there really, really was uh, so, solid, solid employment and solid income, but it wasn't that big income that I was looking for. So I said, well, I better go to law school and uh, get, just get, a, get a profession that will enable me to make money by how hard I work and how good I am and what I do. Whereas in engineering, I just cranked out, cranked out the test equipment. I wasn't, I wasn't going to make any more money than they were paying me. But as a lawyer, you see, if you work fast and you do a good job, you, you make more money. So I opened my practice, my law practice, and uh, because I was fast, I was able to make a pretty good living. And one day, finally, somebody asked me if I wanted to work for for an outfit that was lending money to high-risk borrowers. And I said, yes. So because I work so fast, I, uh, I, I cranked out a lot of the packages that I was given to study and make recommendations on. And, and in, in fact, what we call closing the loans. In other words, when, when my client agreed to make a loan to a borrower, there had to be some paperwork done. I had to record the loan, and I had to make sure that the borrower got started properly. And because I worked so fast, I was able to to close a lot more of those loans than most people, and I made a good living. So that went on for a while. Then the industry industry uh, had a downturn. And uh, without going into the details, because I had closed so many of those loans, the chairman of the board of my client asked me if I would take over some of those companies that were in default on their loans. So I, I told him I would, because otherwise I had to go start my law practice again and do the divorces and bankruptcies and workman's comp and all the things that lawyers have to do. So I began, I then, by, by, by doing that, I became a real estate developer because all those companies we had loaned money to were in real estate development. So I became a real estate developer and I cleaned up all those loans and got all, their, all the liens off the projects and, and I worked out details with other lenders and borrowed money on those projects because my, my client wasn't able to loan any more money. So I, I turned those companies around and they started started generating money that I could send back to my, my client. And uh, eventually my client recovered enough to, to tell me that they wanted to be, uh, me to, to give them the companies back, which I did. And at that point in time, 
I found another bank that was looking. They had some trouble loans, and they were looking for somebody who was enough experience to do something about their trouble loans. So I, I uh, just uh, changed my hat and went to work for this bank. And the chairman of the board visited me every every morning, and we talked about his loans and what I was going to do to clean them up and and uh, make them more profitable for his bank. So I did that actually until I reached uh, 65. When I got to 65, I told uh, I told the chairman I was going to retire because I, I finally thought I would be able to write some books, which is what I always wanted to do. <laughs> so I retired, and I was in California, but I was born and raised in Mississippi. We were poor. Most people in Mississippi are poor, and we were we were, we were like most people. Uh, so if you're poor, you have to work harder to get ahead. So anyway, I went back to Mississippi and bought a house, and I got that house uh, in good working order. And I made myself an office. And I sat down. I said, "Well, I think I'll write some of the Mark Twain adventure stories for young kids." So I did. I wrote four stories, which I really liked. Indian Gold was my first one, and there were three others. And uh, but I discovered it, and was told that um, kids weren't reading books much anymore. They were playing games, computer games, and things like that. So I decided, even though I enjoyed writing those books for, for kids, teenagers, I better switch into something else that uh, would be more profitable. So. I had one story that I wanted to write about because I, when I was growing up, women were really kind of like second-class citizens. They were expected to walk two paces behind the man and, and take care of the man, do, do everything the man wanted done. And if, and if they didn't do it, the man was entitled just to beat the heck out of them. So I wanted to write a story told about the life of one woman who had to go through all that. That was Jody May. That was one of my first decent books. And that book I, I was very proud of because it, it showed what a woman can do to get ahead and what she has to do to get ahead. Uh, so then I said, oh, now, what else am I going to write? Wow, now, Robert, well, this is this is quite a story. <laughs> we can't talk about every single book. But you have been amazing. I mean, I think our listeners can tell from the story. First of all, your experience and what you've done is absolutely so varied that you have run into so many people and you've been in so many different walks of life that you've seen so much. And one of the things that really struck me about your latest novel, The Christian Detective, when I first opened the book, and I read this on Amazon, there's a really beautiful excerpt on Amazon, your ability with description is rich and lush. Those are two adjectives that came into my mind to describe your writing because when I first opened that first page and I started to read about Jake Carson, I was right there with him. 
I was walking <laughs> down that boardwalk with him because of your use of language and your ability to describe. Let's give our listeners a little overview of what The Christian Detective is about, and then let's talk about it a little bit. Well, when I write a book, there are usually two or three purposes I have in the back of my mind. The Christian Detective is is fairly typical of a lot of the books I write. In that book, I have a down-and-out character. He, he was burned out. He was a lawyer. I like to write about lawyers because I was one, and I know what they do. But this guy, Jake, was uh, burned out, and he was on the bottle. Couldn't, he was a, a dependent on alcohol. He was living in the halfway house because he had lost everything. So I wanted to start with that character who was down and out on his backside, and I wanted to give him a chance to write himself and drag himself out of the rut and become become a senior, become a decent citizen again. Um, so I had I had Jake's you know, alcohol. Well, he stumbled on a, a street preacher one day, and the street preacher gave him a Bible. Uh, Christianity is the foundation for our Western culture, and all of all of the teachings in the Bible really can be distilled into the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And all our laws are under the golden rule. Anyway, Jake took that Bible, and he found out that the woman he had loved was murdered. So he was motivated then to give up the Bible, Bible the Bible, and uh, to try to do something to find out who who murdered the woman he loved. But in order to do that, he had to give up drinking, and he had to rely on the Bible to give him the strength to uh, to pass up the bottle when he got under pressure. He wanted to get a drink. Well, he had to use the Bible, and he and there was none that helped him. So he gave up he gave up the bottle, and he set out to solve the mystery of who killed the woman he loved. And he found it was quite complicated. So, and he pulled himself out of his rut. And and a lot of the books I write involve a character who's had some some problem or other that knocked him on his backside, and he has to do something to right himself. And uh, so I usually give him an opportunity to use their talents and wit to do that. And that's what I did in this book. And you you really brought in some interesting characters, and you you weave the story so that we don't know exactly who's who, and are they really what they look like they are, and and it's you really are a very good back porch storyteller, and I mean that in the best possible sense of those words, because everyone who writes books is not a storyteller. And you are a consummate storyteller. 
our listeners would really be interested in this book, I think, because it's not only is it his he down and out, but it's a mystery. It's, uh, you know, how does he uncover? How does how does he figure out who's done what to whom? And this murder is is sort of the linchpin. But then you have Brother Rasmussen, who's with the New Age Christian Mission, and all of these links keep coming back to him and what's his real involvement. Great job on story construction. I'm curious about your writing process, Robert. What happens? Do you do you sit down at a computer and start clicking on the keys and the movie starts in your head? Or are you an outliner? Are you a pantser? Are you an outliner? Do you sit down and outline the story and know exactly point A, point B, where you want the story to go? How does this work for you? Well, I don't do any outlining because I don't want the book to be artificial. For example, in many of my murder mysteries, I don't, I don't even know who did it when I start the book. I know who gets killed, but I don't know who did it. And I usually find that out as I'm writing the book. What I do is I, I usually have rabbles, what I call rabbles in the story. And so the character, Bishop Bone, or Jake in this case, or any of the others, he's, the main character starts pulling on those rabbles. And sometimes the rabbles end up nowhere, but that's okay. Uh, if, if a man is motivated enough and stubborn and uh, tenacious, he, he looks for another rabble to pull. And so... Pretty soon you'll find a rabble that leads someplace. And that's what happened in this this uh, Christian detective. Uh, Jake started uh, pulling in rabbles, and, uh, he, and, and, the, and lo and behold, the, the people who the rabbles led to didn't like him pulling those rabbles. <laughs> so he, he uh, almost gets killed himself. And he finds out that, that there, there were two or three uh, rabbles that led to uh, dangerous situations for him. And uh, this book was one of those books that had uh, multiple uh, bad guys, and uh, he found them all eventually. But in the process, he had to dodge dodge a few uh, encounters himself. But he he stayed clean of the, bi- of the bottle, and, uh, and when he was over, he was able to go back to practicing law. Good, good. I'm glad we save him at the end. I think that's always important. Let's let our listeners know where they can find the book. Now, Amazon is such a big resource for almost everyone. I always check Amazon, and so I looked on Amazon, and there is this book. Now, you've written many other books. The title of this book, so that the listener knows what they're looking for, is The Christian Detective by Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. So if you put the Christian detective, Robert Rogers, in that search feature that's at the very top of that Amazon page and click on it, here comes the book. In the upper right-hand corner, there is a, a little... Um, prompt, I guess you could call it, that says, look inside. 
if the listener will click on that look inside feature, the book, and I'm using air quotes with my fingers, opens. And they can begin to read chapter one. If they read the first page, they'll go over to buy this because it just pulls you right into that book. It's available on Kindle and it's available in paperback. Now, you also have a website, and I believe your books are available on your website. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Let's give them that website address so they can find it. RobertGRogers.com. That's how I think they get you to the website. I, I also can get to it by just Robert G. Rogers Writer, but it's probably more circuitous to use that approach. RobertGRogers.com should get you right to my website. Now, what will they find there? I know that they'll find a bio. They can see your picture. They can read your full bio. Um, they can buy the books. They can, they'll find all of the books. And Bishop Bone is one of your major characters, and all of his books are there. What else is there, Robert? I think I wrote some, a couple, few short stories, and uh, I answered some questions about the process for writing books. Somebody asked me, how does Bishop Bone solve the problems? So I wrote, uh, I gave an answer to that question because a murder mystery, when somebody faces that murder mystery, is a problem. Who did it? And so how does a person gain the talent or the motivation to solve that problem? And so I wrote a little short story or a little article on on how, how a person... Uh, goes about solving the problem of a murder mystery. And I wrote some other, other short stories, and I have a bunch of others, too, because sometimes when you're between books, uh, little short stories and things like that pop into your head. Usually when I finish one book, another book starts talking to me and telling me what it wants to do. And sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll wake up at 3 o'clock and and a book will be in my head, and I'll get up the next morning and start writing it. And uh, I've I've had so many many jobs and assignments and problems in my day that I've met lots and lots of people, and uh, I try to put all those people and all those problems in the books. All the books, the main the characters in all my books, are really partly my character the way I am uh, some of them I, I had to fictionalize a lot of it because uh, I'm, I was never a drunk but nevertheless their approach to life and their approach to solving the problems is the same same thing I had to do in my my professional career somebody comes in says here's a problem Rogers solve it well not every problem is the same and not every approach is the same. So if you solve that one problem, that gives you the uh, experience to solve another one. So uh, in, in my my bio, my little synopsis, my little website, I try to talk a little bit about that. And my all my books, all my characters, uh, really are a reflection of my my uh, 
background. Don't you think that's true of most authors, Robert? Don't you think that most authors put some, at least some of themselves in their characters? And don't you, I also think that the people that you meet, you may have a face, you may even just see somebody um, walking down the street or on a, a bus or in a store, and there's something about that person that makes you think something about, uh, and they can become a character in a novel, because we make those decisions based on all that nonverbal stuff that we all exchange with each other. Do you think that that's the kind of thing that's happened in your books? Yes, I do. Uh, I think that, and I agree with you, I think that all decent writers uh, put themselves into their characters, because, (laughs) let's face it, you know yourself if you're worth a damn, you know yourself... (laughs) better than uh, you know anybody else and if you're worth if you're worth anything at all i mean if you've been successful in in life when you put yourself into those positions you're putting the, your the history of your successes into that story and uh, what you did in life to be successful can be what that character does in the book to be successful i couldn't agree with and you yes more. all those pardon me i couldn't agree with you more yeah and all, and if you've done a lot of things in your life, as I have, and in a, different, a lot of different environments, you meet a lot of different characters. And when you're writing a book and you need a character to do something, one, one thing or the other, if you've been around the, the block a few times, you can always remember somebody that has done or about to have done almost did something that you won't done so you you have a lot of characters you can draw on from your history and put in that book I think that's good advice for people who may be listening to us who think I think I could write a book to think about people they know as they're writing and think about how could they use those people in one way or another as a character in the book I think that's so interesting I've got so one they are very People are very interesting, and if you put them in a book, uh, if you found them interesting, usually a reader will find them interesting, too, if you do a good job. You know, this is such an exciting, adventurous mystery. I mean, this is one of my favorite genres of books. I love mystery adventure books. And The Christian Detective really just fits right into something that I enjoy reading. If our listeners, when they buy their copy of the book, and they either buy a physical copy or they buy an electronic copy and they read the book... And the last page, they finish, and they either electronically close that back cover or they physically close that back cover. Do you want them to leave with the idea that they've just been entertained and taken on an escape, which we really all need so badly right now? Or is there something else that you want them to take away from your book? In that particular book, most all of my books have the character with a problem. I want, when people finish reading my books, I want them to say, boy, I'm so pleased that that character was able to solve his problem 
as well as the problem he was facing, the murder mystery. You see, Jake has overcome his problem. Well, I, I was pleased to do that because in our life, in our lives, most everybody has a problem. Uh, sometimes they're not so bad that they become a drunk or a drug addict or anything like that. But sometimes people have a problem that holds them back from being a success. When people read my books, I want them to think, boy, that guy overcame his problems and was a success. Maybe I can do the same thing. In other words, I want people to have a motivation and to know that they can have a motivation to solve their own problems because the character in my book did the same thing. He solved his problem. So I want them to be entertained, but at the same time, I want them to feel... uh, that uh, my character solves his problem, and therefore they can solve theirs. Well, I love it. You are such an amazing writer. It's just been such an absolute pleasure to have you on Books on Air today. Thank you so much for joining me, Robert. Well, you're very welcome. I I uh, thank you for calling me, and uh, and let's just hope things go along in the future and we can talk again some other time. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. Now, listeners, remember, you can find The Christian Detective, A La Jolla Mystery by Robert Rogers on Amazon.com. You've been listening to Books on Air. Our podcast is brought to you on webtalkradio.net, and you can also hear us on iTunes as well as iHeartRadio. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I truly hope that you'll join our next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here. Thank you so very much for listening.